Please turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 2. This morning we're going to go on a journey together. It's going to be a wonderful and exciting time. We've been traveling through Hebrews and we've come to a really, really interesting place where we get to kind of peek in the the inside of the mind of God and how he set things up. And so um, as we begin, uh, where are my bakers and my chefs in here? Apparently I'm speaking to one person this morning. How many of you have ever attempted to, how many of you ever pulled out a recipe and tried to make something? Okay, there we go. There we go. We're going to boil this down. How many of you have eaten food? <laughs> We're going to find somebody. Listen, um, when you're baking or cooking and you do things out of order, how does the food turn out? Usually bad, right? It messes it up, it ruins it. You know, there's a proper order for things, and we know that in the kitchen. But there's also a proper order of the way that God set things up when he set it up. And so he begins to reveal that here. We're going to start in verse 5 and we're going to read through verse 13 of chapter 2 of Hebrews. For he did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking. But one has testified somewhere saying... What is man that you remember him, or the son of man, that you're concerned about him? You have made him a little lower, uh, excuse me, you have made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, and have appointed him over the works of your hands, and have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not see all things subjected to him. But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and through all things, And through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God gives me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, I pray this morning as we look in to see what you have said, Father, that we will see the order of things the way you have set them up. And Father, it's it's an interesting study as to getting to understand and getting to know you, to seeing how you think and your definitiveness. And Father, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we discuss this morning the order of things, we're going to see the mind of God. We're going to see God's purpose and order. And then we're going to see the order of Christ. And so we begin with the mind of God. When God created the angels, he did not subject them. In his great um, understanding and knowledge and perfection, he did not subject them to this world. They are not limited by the laws of this world. We are limited by it. He's given us limitations of gravity. and He's given us limitations of time and space. He's given us limitations within our bodies. But he didn't do that with the angels. They were created and not put in subjection to this world, even though we were. And so he creates them. And that's just the way that he did it. We don't get any more information here than that. And so we accept that. But we understand a fact about angels 
from this verse that they're not limited by the things that limit us. So the writer then asks the question, what is man that you remember him? Who are we, in other words, who are we to demand your attention? Why, in, in God's vastness, do we seem so important? In the creation we're created in the last day, and when he saw Adam, as Don reminded us this morning, he said it's not good, he, he needs a helper, and he created Eve. And he, died, and he went to the cross and he died for us. He didn't die for the animals. He didn't die for, he died for you and for me, ladies and gentlemen. So why are we so important in the plan of God? It's a great question. What is man that you're mindful of him? And I want to tell you why we are so important in the plan of God or to God himself. It is simply because of this. Because he has chosen to place value on you. He himself chose to place value on us. He said, this is valuable to me. And, it, and we are. We have some intrinsic value that we're created with. You know, a lot of, you know, and I hear this all the time. Well, I'm just nothing and he's everything. And, you know, he's, I just have to be absolutely invisible so God can be seen. That's not true at all. That's nowhere in scripture. Well, what about the passage where John the Baptist said, I must decrease so he can increase. Well, if you study that, he was talking about selfishness and laying himself down so that God can express himself in him. The Bible calls us branches and branches bear fruit. They don't produce it, but they bear it. So they have value in and of themselves. You were created by God with value. You're important to him. He's so important that he died for you. And so he asks the question, he begins to ponder you know, that while well, the angels are up here and he begins to ponder this idea of what is man that you're mindful of him? And the beauty thing, it, it flows out of the very love of God. Or the son of man. He goes on, he says, or the son of man that you are concerned about him. In other words, who son of man is Jesus Christ. In other words, who is this Jesus? Why are you concerned about him? What is going on? What is happening? And so he gives us this order. He lays out this order in the mind of God. When he created angels, they were above the world. They weren't subjected to it. He created man. He made us subjected to the world. And Jesus. Now watch this. Mixed in through all of this, and, and I put it all together for us. We learned them some things about Jesus Christ. All things were subjected to him. In other words, he's above all of it. There's nothing. He can stop a storm. He can start a storm. If it achieves his purpose. All things are subject to him. We know from the Bible that there have been days that have been lengthened even. We know in the last days that the days will be shortened. To my understanding, about 16 hours. So our 24-hour day will be a 16-hour day. That's God's grace. Because of what is coming. Because of the judgments that are coming. And so all things are in, in subjection to Him. Jesus can easily walk on the water because the water has to obey Him. He can pass through walls. Because sheetrock was created by him. Fashioned by us at times. And sometimes when there's a hole in the wall, not very well. But he created rock. He created this whole thing. You know, it's really interesting. Do you have any science people out there, science buffs that enjoy yeah, space and stuff like that? Y'all were around you? Well, I'm not going to ask who's around for the Apollo launches and... But how many of you have ever heard of them and enjoy that stuff? Right? 
Hey, I was born three days before they launched Apollo 11. I, I, <laughs> I always thought I showed up and they left. <laughs> but that's just really interesting. You know, and they're hunting for another Earth, another place like Earth, and trying to find water, and they're explaining why water was here and water was there, and, and trying to recreate environment. Listen, when God created it, He created it. And now we're trying to refashion and redo, you know, we're, we can't, we can't redo what God has done. Now I would, I would love this, man, if I could go to Mars, I would go. That would be fun. Except I'd have to miss a couple Sundays. Um, just, <laughs> but I think it's really, I mean, it's interesting, the innovation and all of that. But what we've been trying to do, what we've designated a whole field of science to do, God did in one verse. And God made the stars. Ain't no big deal to him. And he places value on us. Isn't that crazy? All things are subjected to Jesus. A little while, he was lower than the angels. Because when he came... And for all of my, my Greek fans and for those of you who like theology, I'm going to give you a big word here. Um, we had the hyperstatic union. You ever heard that word before? The hyperstatic union is, is a study of the, the uniting of God and man in one. That's what they call it. He was 100% God, 100% man. How could he be both? Only God could figure that out. How that works. But he was. He came and he subjected himself to this earth. Which made him. Because of his subjection. Lower than the angels. Because they are not subjected to the earth. But he was. So that's what he's referring to here. Is that he was subjected. To the earth. A little lower than the angels. But then he was crowned. With glory and honor. We know what that follows. That followed Easter. He was crowned with glory and honor for what he did for us. For going to the cross and dying. For giving his very life for us. Overcame death in the grave. So that we too overcome death in the grave. He became sin. How can the perfect become sin? That seems so contradictory, doesn't it? But we believe it, right? I'm setting you up just so you know. We believe that, right? <laughs> we believe that. He became sin. The Bible says it, right? So that we might become the righteousness of God. How can we become the righteousness of God? Only God can do that too. See, so you are actually righteous. You're not righteous by what you do. You're righteous because Jesus saved you and you're in him and he's in you. Because if his righteousness is by what you do, the Bible calls that self-righteousness. And you're going to be very disappointed one day. It's not by the righteous works that we do, but by what has been done for us. We put our faith in him. So Jesus is crowned with glory and honor over the works of creation. There's his eternality. For all my theologians. He's eternal. He was before. You know we think of the, the birth of Christ. As the beginning. That's not the beginning of him. He has no beginning or ending. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's eternal. He was there when. When the world was created. He was there before the world was created. He exists. He doesn't travel through time and space like we do. Now we're going to get beyond our, our ability to think about this. He's present in all those times. At the same time. He's present in the future now with us. Because he's God. That's kind of cool to think about. It blows your mind a little bit. Because we're so limited by time and space. And so he's over the works of creation. This is the one. This is the very mind of God and how he set things up. And then there are some things that are not that are not subject to him that we don't know about. He says here at the end of verse 8, but we do not yet see 
I said that wrong. We do not see all things subjected to him. So there's some things we don't know about that are subject to him. We don't know what they are. We're not told. We're just told there's more to the story. You know what? I don't want a, I don't want a God that I can completely contain in my own mind. That's a pretty small God. It's a pretty small God if you can be contained in my mind. He's we. And I think he's infinite. From what God's word has told us. So the very mind of God. As we see the order of things. Well God has purpose and order. You know he doesn't act randomly. Sometimes he seems random doesn't he? You ever wonder that? It's like what are you doing? I wonder if most of our life we just wonder what God is up to. You ever wondered that? I wonder what God is doing. I wonder what he's doing. I don't understand it. And we spend all this time trying to understand God. And if he wanted us to know, don't you think he would tell us? So why are we trying to hunt for something that God's not sharing with us right then for some reason? Instead of just being simply obedient and enjoying the moment of obedience and the, and the joy we share. And knowing that at that moment we're living Based upon the leading of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Spirit and the fruit being produced is what it is. Instead of trying to have it all figured out. See, we're not, you know what, I'm going to tell you what, here's the bottom line. The reason we're not comfortable with that is we really don't trust Him. We trust things when we have a good handle on it. When I understand it, then I'm good. But faith requires that we trust him without having a handle on it. And so if you think you got to have it figured out, and you know what? I understand it because I deal with that too. <laughs> Regularly. I like to know what's going on so I can be on the plan to share the plan with me. And he's saying, no, I want you to do this today. And he, no, okay, I'll do that today, but what's the plan? Not do this today. No, but okay, I'll do that. What's the plan? Come on, God. Why are you holding out on me? I'm not holding out on you. This is what I have for you today. You ever had that conversation with God? Anybody but me? All right, well, maybe this is for me. So you watch God preach to me this morning. We do it all the time. We want God to lay it all out for us. We want the whole thing. What did God tell Abraham when he said, oh, well, if I tell you that, then you know what he told him. What did he tell Abraham concerning his son? Go up and sacrifice your son, the promised son, the one who I gave you, the one who I promised the nations would come through, go sacrifice him. Was Abraham ever going to sacrifice him? Ah, there we go. I guess I'm just I'm guessing the conversation going on. Was it God's intent for him to ever sacrifice his son? He would provide. He would. He would provide himself a sacrifice. He didn't say provide for himself. He said, I will provide myself a sacrifice. And then we later read in Hebrews, when we're going to get to that in chapter 11, where he says, Abraham saw my day and was glad. So he understood in that moment that God would sacrifice himself to pay for our sins. So God didn't show him the whole picture. He showed him what he needed him to see at that moment. To see if he would be willing. Because hey. If God had said hey. I want you to go sacrifice your son. But when you get up there. I'm going to have an angel stop your hand. And stop the knife. And so that you will uh, not sacrifice him. But you'll see a ram. And that he will be. And you'll sacrifice the ram. Oh, okay. That's no problem. Right? But if he said hey. I want, he wanted to test his heart. He wanted to know where his heart was. He didn't show him the whole plan. 
That's not a cruel God. That's God growing the man he's going to use. And so the stuff that God does not share with us is not because he's mean or doesn't want us to know or is holding out on us or instead it up and going, I have to torture Mark today. It's because he's given me everything that I really need at that moment. And the issue is obedience. Why can't you just trust him? Why can't Mark just trust him? He doesn't act randomly. Jesus, for a little while, was made lower than the angels. And he tells us in this passage that he was made lower than them so that he could suffer and die. And because of that, he was crowned with glory and honor. We were told that by God's grace that he might taste death. Well, Jesus might (laughs) have an argument about that. Well, wait a minute. (laughs) This don't seem very graceful when they're jamming those spikes into me. But it wasn't God's grace for him. It was God's grace for us. And so what he was going through was for the benefit of somebody else. The things we go through in life, ladies and gentlemen, are for our benefit and the benefit of other people. I've said this many times. A a tree never consumes its own fruit. It's meant for the benefit of others. The fruit you produce is not for you. The abiding is for you. It keeps you alive and vibrant with healthy fruit on the tree. A tree doesn't go, or a branch doesn't go, hey, I'll see you later. I'm going to go make some apples over here. What happens when a tree does that? When a branch does that? It withers and dies. We want to do that for God all the time. Well, let me go do something for you. Okay, I'm going to bring it over here to you. And we think that we're bringing sacrifice, and he said it's better to obey than it is to sacrifice. Abide in the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me will produce fruit. That's John 15. Abide in the vine. Well, what does that mean? I didn't know I was going to do this. I'm on the phone. What does that mean? What does it mean to abide in the vine? I hear people say that, just abide in Christ. And I picture monks, they're going, abide in the vine. That wasn't tongues, by the way. What does it mean to abide? That's the thing. I mean, I used to sit there and people say that. I said, that's great, but what do I do? And that what you, and that what we sit there and say, what do I do? Let me tell you how to abide. Listen. Answer yes. And act on what he shows you. When you do that, listen, answer yes, and act on what he does when he tells you. Things are going to happen. You know, I was, uh, I think it was a couple weeks, or was it last week? A couple weeks now. It was last week. I was, uh, time kind of runs together as you get older. I was at a, a bank. And I was talking to one of the member services people there. And she asked me what I do. And I'm always slow to answer what I do because if somebody's had a great relationship with a pastor, they apply that to me. And if they've had a bad relationship, they apply it to me. It's just like any profession, right? And so I told her, and she's like, oh, she began to ask questions, spiritual questions. I ended up praying in a glass office with this person for a prayer need. I asked, I said, is it okay to pray? Absolutely. No hesitation. Um, And it turned out that what I thought I was going for wasn't what I was going for. 
I am blissfully clueless because God's in charge. And that's okay. It was such a cool moment. I was, I was so excited that I'd been there. And we get to pray about some things that are really burdening. But I'll tell you this. People are trapped under this idea of works-based acceptance from God. And they often fear, people are afraid for me to say this, but I just don't care anymore because it's true. Well, if you tell people that, then they'll just do whatever they want to do. If you do, then that reflects your relationship. So that's between you and him. But we don't serve because we have to. We serve because he saved us and we have joy. And it's an outflow of a relationship of the spirit of God within us. And... We go, man, you ever sit there and, and talk to people and go, wow, I wish I could be like I was when I was first saved. You know, when people get first saved, they're like crazy. They tell everybody about Jesus. They're like, shh, shh. You'll get mature as you get older and you'll learn how to do it like us who never do it and really share Christ, do we? I don't want to shh them. I want to stoke the fire. The thing is, we go, well, we just got to rededicate your life. You don't need to rededicate your life. If you're in Christ and he's in you, how much more dedicated can you be? What you have to do is surrender. Do you know you can even do God's work and and have it be rejected by God? Do you know that? Don't believe me? Y'all give me a look. There will be men who say on that day, did we, not, did we not cast out demons? Did we not preach in your name? They cast them out. They left. And he said, depart from me, for I never knew you. We can put on a show and do all the religious baloney and not have a relationship that's living and vibrant and filled with the power of God. Because we don't understand the order of things. We are called to be branches. We're not called into the ministry of the vine. We're not called into the ministry of fruit picking. We're branches. We abide. We listen. We yes. And we do it. That's how it works. And if he chooses to show you more than the next five minutes, thank God for the for the peak. Sometimes he'll do that. Sometimes he won't. It's part of the journey. So we got off a little bit. Maybe not. God's purpose in order, this does uh, Talking about Jesus. This does not mean Jesus was less than the angels. It means that he had a different purpose. And God gave him access. To accomplish his purpose. Because he's over the earth. But he put himself in subjection. To accomplish the purpose. He limited himself to do what God wanted to do. And for the record. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He's 100% God. Remember, we talked about the hyperstatic union earlier. 100% God, 100% man. He's both. Listen, folks, if you are carrying this burden of how do I please God, I want you to know something. You already please Him. Isn't that cool? He has wiped away all your sin. He's placed you into his son and the son into you. We need to quit worrying about disappointing or failing God and start just living and enjoying his presence. When you live like that, when you're so afraid that you're going to disappoint or fail somebody, you live in fear. And we've not been given a spirit of fear. We've been given a spirit of faith and love. And that's the, that's the life we operate in, not the other one. The enemy would like to add more to do to be more like God. 
That is the exact lie that he gave to Eve in the garden. If you do this, you'll be like God. And it's been promoted and preached across this nation by pastors today. If you do this, you'll be like God. You are created in his image and you are a brand new creation in Christ. There is no separation between you and him. You have the life and the love of Christ within you. We just have to let it be. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We have to let it be. If we give into our flesh, we're going to do fleshly things. And God doesn't come down and go, what a sorry guy you are, Mark. You ever hear that after you sin? That's not God. He's going to come down and say, Mark, you missed out on these things that I had for you. But let's not miss out on it next. That's how it works. The conviction of God doesn't come with a condemnation. It comes with hope. Look in scripture and read it. Where guys were convicted. What did they do? When people were convicted, what did they do? They turned to Christ, right? If you're wanting to turn away and hide... That's not conviction. Look in scripture. Read it. It's sold that. Oh, I just feel so bad. So that must make me godly. No, it doesn't make you godly. That makes you deceived. Now, should our sin break our heart? It should. Because we missed that because we love him. And we missed out on being with him and overcoming the choice of overcoming that. Something we've already overcome. Well, you don't know. I've been dealing with this for 20 years. I know you have. I know you have. But the problem is, you're actually already free of it. Jesus said, if I set you free, you're free indeed. But, there's no buts in there. It's not in the Bible. So Jesus the difficulties we face in life have a purpose. They might even be for the benefit of others, as we've talked about. As Jesus' difficulties benefited us, we must see past our own difficulties to the benefit of others. Listen, when you, I'll tell you this. When you go through a hard time and somebody comes alongside you and say, You know what? I've been there. I know where you are. There is such a hope that comes over you. And that's a gift and the expression of the grace of God and our obedience and, and sharing and being vulnerable with people and letting God work. It works, ladies and gentlemen. The way God set this up works. God is a God of order. We see the order of Christ. We move from there to God's purpose and order to the order of Christ. Verses 10 through 13 says it was fitting to perfect Jesus through sufferings when I read that, I was like, <gasps> perfect him. Does that bother anybody? Just me? Okay, well, I told you it's for me anyway. Perfect Jesus. How does this perfect Jesus? Wasn't he perfect already? Let me, I'm, you know what? I'm going to read it to you. Verse 10. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things. And bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. Wait a minute. He wasn't perfect? In Greek, the word perfect there. <clears throat> the other translation for that word is complete, signifying meeting the requirements. If you do a little study past and go into the actual Greek, it means to complete. And so it was fitting for Jesus to complete the work, which was the cross, to allow us to come to the Father. That's what he's talking about. 
He's not talking about making it perfect. He's talking about completing the work which he came to do. And so if the one, if the one for whom are all things, everything is for him, all this stuff is for him, everything is for him. If the one through whom are all things, the one who created all, he created it. So what we learned in that is that he created all this for himself. Isn't that cool? He created all of this for himself. He created you for him. Isn't that cool? Well, he really missed it with this F-13 model. No, he didn't. You're created perfect. We're all different. Look around. Nobody, two people in here look alike. None of y'all look like me. And all the people said, Amen. <laughs> We're created the way He wanted us. He wants, he wants variety. That's the beauty. That's the beauty. We're strong. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we're stronger together because we are different. You ever meet somebody and go, man, they're kind of weird. <laughs> because they're different than you. Maybe not here. I'm sure none of you think that here. But you go, wow, they just think they're, they're different like this. But God makes us different for a purpose. How many of you have ever used a butter knife as a screwdriver? <laughs> Listen, ladies and gentlemen, look around. Screwdrivers for Christmas. How many of you have ever used a screwdriver as a butter knife? Oh. How many of you have ever used a screwdriver as a screwdriver? Don't they work better than a butter knife? Because they're made different. That's right. I can almost tell if I've got the screwdriver butter knife because there's a little twist in the end of the butter knife. That's how you know. Everybody's going to go home and tell get Pastor Mark the knife with that, that thing on the end. It's just the way it works. It's the way this thing works. Listen. If the one for whom are all things and through whom are all things suffers to complete his work, the same is true of us, ladies and gentlemen. Suffering has value. Now, yeah, Merry Christmas. Suffering has value. Anybody ever here to go through some suffering? Yeah, welcome. You ever had those nights where you were alone and you just cried by yourself? Thought nobody could understand? Thought nobody saw it? You know what? God saw it. He worked in me to share that this morning. We've been there. Welcome to the crowd. Now, I want you to know something. You're not alone. The enemy would like you to know that. Like you to think that. Oh, you're alone. Nobody understands. Nobody gets it. You're all alone. You're struggling by yourself. The whole world is fine. Look at all those people with great jobs and nice houses. And, you just, and you're struggling. You have no thoughts? It's a lie. Behind every door out there are people hurting. Every door. And what's worse is the ones that don't even know it. Man has troubles. But Christ paid the price for all of us. That's why he had to come at Christmas. That's why he came. He showed up to die. <laughs> Suffering has value. How could he rescue us without coming to get us? Now God in himself could have done that. But when you rescue somebody, how many of you have seen these people out there that there's always some, I don't know how it happens, but every time it floods, it doesn't matter where you are, there's always somebody in the water somewhere. You ever notice that? The radio say, don't go across. 
Don't drive. Turn around. Don't drown. And someone is in the water somewhere. And everybody's standing on the sign going, Swim faster! Swim faster! No, they're not. They're in a boat, aren't they, going out there? Or they're in a helicopter. There's somebody dangling, trying to grab them. Or they have ropes and a human chain holding on. To rescue somebody, you have to go to get them. And God, Jesus Christ, came to get us. He didn't leave us out here drowning. That's the order of Christ. He knew his place and he came for us. Those who are godly and live godly are going to suffer, ladies and gentlemen. Bonds are created through shared experiences. And we're told to fulfill or to fill up the sufferings of Christ. It's part of the journey. Since both Jesus and us came from the Father, He's able to call us brethren. Isn't that cool? We're family. Boy, family can be a real blessing and a real pain too, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, y'all woke up! <laughs> they can be a real blessing and a real pain. Man, I'm so glad you were here. Oh, what are you doing here? <laughs> but they're always family. No matter what. No matter what. You don't get to pick your family. You're born into it. Since we are God's children, as Jesus is, and we intend on following him, we're going to experience the same things he did. Because he's been through it, we can trust him. He's been through it, ladies and gentlemen. Learn to trust him. Well... Let me leave you with a few things this morning. When we understand the order of things, we realize we must choose to see life with spiritual eyes instead of just seeing it as how it affects us. Well, that's really uncomfortable. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to go over there. I don't want to do that. That makes me uncomfortable. So I'm only going to do the things that I'm comfortable with. You think that's how God works? Anybody? I don't want to apologize to them. Are people messy? How many of you have ever had kids? Are kids messy? Yes. Kids, are you ever messy? They say nothing. <laughs> kids are messy. Adults, are you messy? How many of you have to clean your house up if somebody's coming over? <laughs> right? We're messy too. I used to love this. We used to, I used to, <laughs> I heard somebody tell a joke about it, and I think it's so true, is parents used to, I used to watch them, and they'd bribe their kids about talking in church. But then the parents would be whispering to each other. They do the same things. We do the same thing that we get on them for doing it. Don't talk from church. Pay attention. Can you believe Johnny was over there talking? What did he say? It's not our kids that are messy. I, there was somebody who was telling this story. It's a true story. They said, man, you know, we used to blame our kids for this. And our kids graduated and moved out. And then the house was still messy. And there was no kids there. It was just us. They had to go and apologize to their kids. <clears throat> they apologize to their kids for that. <laughs> but it's been clean ever since we moved out. <laughs> so we must choose to see life with spiritual eyes instead of just seeing how it affects us. See what God might be doing. We're either going to be Christ-centered or self-centered. Make the choice before it happens, not... And in the moment. (laughs) Two. Learn not to trust in yourself. This is a hard one. 
Okay, well, I won't trust myself. It doesn't work like that. The only way to learn how to not trust yourself is to go through brokenness. Where all the things you've trusted and everything you've tried comes to nothing. And you give up and you surrender to the Lord. It's an empty feeling. But in that moment when there's nothing that you have left, and you do that, there is a space that's just you and Him, and you, and you will experience a moment where you've never known safety like you'll know safety in those moments. Because see, we rely on things in this world that are fleeting, that don't have any value, have really no way of protecting us. But if I'm in the hand of God, nobody can touch me unless He allows it. And if He allows it, it's for a reason. And I'm going to tell you, it's tough. And I went through it. I've been there. He, he put me through it, ladies and gentlemen. I was through it in ministry while I was in ministry. I actually prayed and quit. And he said, good. And I said, good. He said, no, you don't understand. Now you can see what I can do. And I watched him do it. And so our only job is to obey. I know because I've done both. I've been there. I've paid the price. And you know what? I was so relieved. I thought, it's over. I've done it. But it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing death process. Because we like to resurrect ourselves. <laughs> and so learn not to trust in yourself. Learn to trust Him. If he tells you something, do it. If somebody's on your mind, you know, I started doing this. It's been really this kind of this cool journey. You ever have those fleeting thoughts where somebody will run across your mind you haven't talked to in a while? Or, you know, I to write somebody. Or somebody meant something in your life and you thought I would write them a note and thank them. I started doing that. And I, entered all, I started entering all these conversations. I need to start writing this down. And I started entering all these conversations. Um... That I, would, I called somebody that I hadn't talked to in four years, uh, two weeks ago. And they were like, yeah, this is what's going on. You know, it's really interesting that you called. And, and uh, I mean, so there's all kind. it's really, it, yeah, it's an interesting journey. And so listen to that. Start, let's just start obeying the Spirit. And that's, I think, part of what he's doing. Three. Even though we don't understand everything, we can trust that God has a plan and a purpose for everything as it should be. And everything is as it should be. Listen, instead of trying to, <laughs> and trying to change your circumstances, surrender to Him and learn the lesson of them. You know, I was in this, I was, when I went to seminary, I was in the president's office. And we were just chit-chatting. There's a few of us there. And he said to me, he said, people prayed all over this planet that God would deliver them from the storm. And he said, maybe God sent the storm to deliver them. Sometimes the storms of life are meant to deliver us from the things that ail us. The things that keep us from walking on the water. You know, how easy would it have been for Peter to jump out and just walk across the water if there was no storm. How easy would it have been for him to jump out if there was a storm? It's not a trick question, but it seems that way. The answer is it's the same. Because his ability to do it was based on faith on both of them. But sometimes it seems like we need greater faith when there's a storm. Because we apply certain things to the storm that the storm doesn't have power to do. So sometimes the storm is meant to deliver us. So don't ask, pray, you ever prayed that God would let up <laughs> and nothing happened? <laughs> Maybe because instead of praying for deliverance, say, Lord, make the lesson clear to me and let me obey you. And once God's, the storm has accomplished its purpose... It's going to let up. Because he doesn't need it anymore. That's the way these things work. Listen, there's an order to how things work in the kingdom of God.
I was reading the story about a man who pulled into a gas station. And he walked over to a soda machine and stared at the sign which read soda, $2. It didn't seem like a lot. I mean, it wasn't at an amusement park. <laughs> so the seven dollars <laughs> or thirty-five dollars, two dollars, and so he's standing there at the machine. It must be an old story, <laughs> but he's staring at this machine, and he says, two dollars for a soda? That's incredible." And the shop attendant came over, and he says, "Well." It ain't really $2, but, this, but I put an out-of-order sign on the machine, and people kept putting their money in, and I have to keep coming to open it up. So I put a sign on there that said $2, and nobody else has put their money in since. <laughs> but when things are out of order, what does that mean? They don't work. When we get this out of order... The way God does things, life don't work, ladies and gentlemen. That's where your frustration is going to come. The best thing to do is realign. Get back in service by realigning with his plans. And he's going to use you for what you were created for. That's interesting stuff. Who would have thought just from... God being a God of order, that would shed so much light into our journey. That he was perfected or completed what had to be done. So you and I could walk with him. That's cool. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.